Hello and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I am a New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course, can you keep a secret? Keep a, keep a secret. knowing how to respond to the question. Over the following weeks and months, I'm going to take a look at some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way that you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of the show, where I'll be sharing not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. We can talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah. So we can talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk about employment rejection. Back in December, I had applied for a position as a public speaker in the UK. Unfortunately, I got an email saying that I was not selected for an interview. A few weeks later, I saw that they were still seeking an employee for that particular role, so I reapplied. However, a few days later, I saw on the internet a young girl, a student, recent graduate of law, had tried to get a position in McDonald's and was unsuccessful. And having referred to the comments underneath the article, people were saying just because she has a law degree does not entitle her to work in McDonald's. And quite frankly, she's overqualified and the employee management would not want to hire her because she is a flight risk. She would quit when she gets something better and more related to her chosen profession. When I saw that, it really spoke volumes because my mother has frequently told me time and time again, change your resume, take off things that are not relevant. And I have done so, but maybe not sufficiently. After seeing this article of a law graduate and me being a law graduate, I took off various things from my resume. I condensed it down and reduced my experience and expertise. And I reapplied for that same position with a different name, as I have first name, middle name, last name, and a different email address. Number of days later, I am commuting and I open my email and I see another message saying, you have not been selected for an interview. On the very same day, I opened a different email account that I have and I saw I had been selected for an interview. I was amazed. It was literally as though I have taken the advice, implemented it, and that advice is paying off because I've just been offered an interview for the very same job I'd applied for twice before and got two prior rejections. The interview was meant to be in December, so I was looking forward to having the interview before Christmas and I presumed that I'd begin at the beginning of January. Unfortunately though, things were going to go a little bit more downhill because I get an email on the day of the interview. Now I had prepared, I had read about the company, I had memorized everything, I believed I knew all there is to know about this organization. But the day of the interview, an email says, your interview has been cancelled. I was very taken aback by that. However, another email had come in moments before or after, and that email said that the interviews would be postponed until the new year. 
I was disheartened. I just wanted to get it out of the way. I had good Wi-Fi connectivity. I was in an environment where there was no noise that would affect me during the interview that had come as a distraction. So I was really disappointed. But I saw that as a blessing in disguise because the delay meant that I wouldn't have to work around the Christmas season, that I wouldn't be limited to just a couple of days off around Christmas Day and New Year's. The new year came around, don't hear anything. I start to get concerned. Have they given away the position? Emailed the organizer, emailed the organization, I should say. Emailed the organization and I also emailed the hiring manager. No response. Emailed again and when I emailed the hiring manager directly through his email, I got a holiday notification saying that he was actually away from the office. There was no date given. A week or so later, he finally reaches out and says, you would have seen that I was on holiday still. Interviews will be done in due course. So it's great news. I haven't been forgotten. But then there was another delay. And so I wait. And I wait. And then I get an email that says to me that you will be offered a initial conversation. Now, I was kind of confused because in December, I was offered an interview. It was postponed. And then now I'm being offered an initial conversation. Now, I've had initial conversations in the U.S. before, so I know how that works. I know about networking. I get that. My most recent initial conversation in the U.K., however, was more of a pre-interview to the interview. And it was a back and forth. It was dialogue. However, that pre-interview to the interview meant that I wasn't interviewed, unfortunately. Hence why I was still looking for a position some months later. I was concerned about it, truth be told, because from where I stood, that meant I'm going to need suitable Wi-Fi. I'm going to need a location where it's quiet, conducive, all of these things. And then the challenge too is, it's not just one hurdle of an interview, it is now two hurdles. The conversation plus the interview. And if you don't succeed on one, you cannot go through to the next level, so to speak. I prepared, I read up on the company, I was ready. The day of the initial conversation, the hiring manager started to tell me all about the organization. Now, I already knew about the organization because I had wanted to work for them for the last seven years, in fact. So I knew all about them. However, I listened. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, actually, I didn't need to do all that reading. I didn't even need to prepare for this. That's what was in my mind at the time. Of course, I said nothing and I just listened. It was an hour's slot that we had been given. He told me it wouldn't take very long. And so I was okay with that. And he asked if I had questions. Now, I have five standard questions I ask in every interview. But those are interview questions, not casual conversation. And he just told me everything about the company. So it's not like I can ask him, can you tell me about the company? He's already told me. So I asked my questions. And as I was asking, he would say, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. So I'm feeling really confident because he keeps praising the questions I'm asking and saying how great they are. At the end, I gave a short little summary, so to speak, of why I want to work for the organization. However, I must point out, though, we have met before. In fact, we met more than six months ago via Zoom. And when we met, I shared with him some of the projects I was working on and about my Christian faith. And he told me that he is a Christian too, and he spoke so much about his Christian faith. And I say that because when I asked him in the interview whether the organization was a Christian organization, 
he said no. But he was very stern, standoffish in that no, if I can use the term standoffish, it was like a categorical no, this is not a faith-based organization. And I was rather taken aback by that. The next thing I want to point out is he behaved as though he didn't know who I was. Yeah, we met, we spoke about our faith in God. And in that interaction, he acted as though he did not know who I was. It's kind of perplexing because we spoke at length. That's how I have his personal email address. And when we did meet some months ago, he said that he wanted to meet me because he had seen my resume and cover letter come into the office before seeking work. Searching for opportunities, looking for employment, I had applied to the company over the last seven years and he said he actually recalls seeing my information come in, he remembered my name and that is why he wanted to meet me. So when we had this initial conversation, it was bizarre that he didn't know who I was even though he did. And my friend said, well maybe he was surprised you pretended you didn't know who he was and so he pretended he didn't know who you was and I said it wasn't like that at all. Well, you have to understand is he led the interview. It's not even an interview, but he led the pre-interview and he spoke first. And on the basis of the interaction, I went ahead with it. But I did drop into the conversation about my project just in case he forgot who I was. I asked him, what are you looking for? And he started to list off the various qualities and, and character traits that they were seeking. He did make mention, though, that a lot of their work was done in churches, which was part of the reason why I asked if they were faith based. But from my understanding, he had explained to me about the role. I understood what was expected, what was required. I understood there would be a lot of work in churches. It was quite clear to me what would be expected of the candidate who's successful and what would be offered to them. That was very clear and it sounded all perfect to me. I really believe this is my dream job. However, a number of days later, I get an email saying that I had been unsuccessful and would not be offered an interview. Can you imagine how that would feel if that was you? Seven years you've waited to even be interviewed by this organization. You get offered an interview. The interview is cancelled. You get offered a conversation. And as a result of the conversation, you don't get an interview. That doesn't make sense. And as a Christian, that sounds like confusion. And we know God is not an author of confusion. That doesn't make any sense. And they sent me an email when I reached out and said, I'm a bit confused. I was offered an interview, then you've given me an initial conversation back to an interview. And this is some of what they said. Regarding the interview process, we had a lot of applicants apply. This gave us the opportunity to review individuals through initial conversations, to have short discussions with these applicants, who we saw were the strongest, and see if their skills fit the role. This new process helps us to manage expectations and workload. And then he goes on to say, one of the reasons we felt you were not suitable is because we are looking for somebody with extensive experience working with young people in a school setting. So when I read that, number one, having sent it to a number of my friends, it sounds like a canned response. Number two, when he makes reference about how they wanted to see who has the best skills, they want to know who fits the role. I'm confused because if an initial conversation is myself, future employee, talking to manager and asking manager questions, how can the manager decide what skills I have and if I'm suitable when they've not even asked me anything? And then in addition to that, when reference is made 
We need somebody with experience working in a school setting. How can you tell me I don't have that experience when you didn't ask me? And on the back of that, what bothered me is that my resume and cover letter make it apparent that I have worked with children, orphans, street kids, juvenile delinquents. I've given presentations in schools all around the world. And then I'm being told that unfortunately I don't have extensive experience. And when I shared this with somebody, actually, she said that you don't want to keep pushing it because if you continue to push it, then it's actually not going to look very good for you. And I was quite defensive in my response and said, I'm not pushing anything. When I did ask my initial query, I did not expect to ever hear back from them. And she made reference because she's an American. The only job she's ever got is because of who she knows. In my country, it doesn't work like that. In the UK, it's very different. You apply, you get interviewed, etc. We don't network. We don't go for coffee. That's not how it works in the real world. You're hired on the basis of your skills and experience. But any person who knows that they are more than overqualified for the position, who knows they have the experience, the passion and all those skills, and has a decade of experience working with children, giving presentations and talking on this topic, to be told you don't have experience is quite insulting. And it is disheartening, but it's not the right place for me. Because can you imagine all that I have been through, being offered an interview, the interview is taken away, being told you don't have the skills. It just, it seems like a lot of deception and how can God be present in that? We know that God doesn't lie. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. And if your hiring manager, the interviewer, pretends he doesn't know you, speaks very assertively that it is not a faith-based organization. And even the fact that he makes reference to they work a lot with children. Well, I find that hard to believe because why would you make reference to the fact that you're looking for somebody who's passionate, etc., etc., and then you make reference to the point that most of your work is done in churches. That doesn't make sense. God is not double-minded, but people are. And in life, we have to consider whether we're going to seek God at all costs or whether we're going to seek after the pleasures of this world or aspirations, careers, desires, etc. Because there are people who will compromise, who will use money, status, their body, they will use whatever it is to be able to get whatever they want. We hear about it all the time. Think about it, in certain parts of the world, you will hear about young women who will engage in sexual activity with politicians, maybe even prime ministers. Let's think about Monica Lewinsky. Yes, she worked in, in the office of the prime minister, but even so, she made herself vulnerable. She made herself available, if I can use such a term. We have to use caution. It's not good to seek after something so much to the point where you give up your morals, your values. But then at the same time, too, we have to consider, is this where God is calling you? Is this what God wants for you? Is that the plan God has for your life? Because someone even said to me, you don't want to ever appear desperate when it comes to seeking employment. I could definitely tell you I'm not desperate, hence why I'm currently unemployed. But what I would say is what she's saying does make sense. She works in the human trafficking world. And sometimes a woman's vulnerability and her desperate need for financial stability for a job puts her in a predicament. And I read of a young girl, I believe in Trinidad, who was seeking employment, 23 years of age at the time. And she was offered an interview for a position on the cruise. A number of weeks or so later, she was found dead. And then even recently, I saw a post on Facebook where it showed an advert. We're looking for women aged between 16 to 23, I believe, to do childcare. And the little girl, I wouldn't say little girl, the young lady gets into the vehicle and as she pulls up to the house, the taxi driver says to her, 
I would not recommend that you go for an interview here. I've dropped off other women and all I've seen is men come to the house, but I've not seen any children. The woman does not go in for the interview. And from what the taxi driver is describing, I'm thinking that it's some sort of brothel or it is a place of prostitution, exploitation, maybe even trafficking. The fact of the matter is this young lady sees an advert and goes to the premises. Now, how would she have known whether or not this is a legitimate job, a legitimate job opportunity? She would not. However, I would say personally that there may have been a bit of naivety on her part. When I saw this advert looking for a woman ages 16 to 23, whatever the age is, my antenna was on high alert. I was suspicious of the advert. Because of the work which I do, straight away I was suspicious. And that is the thing, you see, when we have knowledge, knowledge is power. The Bible says people perish for lack of knowledge. When you're naive and you don't have all the information, you will blindly go after things without understanding. Similarly, someone told me, Juanita, it seems as though you have been given a reason why you didn't get the job. And I came back to them in response and said, well, it's a lie. It is an outright lie. Think about it. If I've shared with you my interactions and told you it was a one-sided conversation where I asked questions about the job, how can you come back and say I'm not suitable when you've not asked me the right questions? If you'd asked me the right questions, you'd see I'm more than suitable. I don't know why that has happened, but in life, things happen we do not understand. Imagine that's your 23-year-old sister, cousin, looking for employment on a cruise boat and ends up losing her life. That's pretty messed up. And then that, of course makes your average female fearful of going for jobs, afraid, paranoid, because of course, how do I know if this is a legitimate opportunity? It is not just in the modeling world, for example. This is an opportunity to work in childcare. And some of the other comments that were there were of other women who were offered positions. One was a receptionist and that particular role that she was offered, she shared that when she went there, they were sitting around a table and there was a lady who was called Mama, I believe, and one of the men selected a girl and, and the girl went off. Another woman went to a premises with her father and they explained that you will be on the phones. However, you may also be giving massages to clients. And the girl said she went off to the hotel room with one of the clients, but she never went back to that position. It is very difficult. We can never say what we would do in that position. We know, according to the Bible, that when Joseph was in a compromising situation with Potiphar's wife, he fleed. He fled. He ran away with no clothes on. What do we do? Do we take that one client and never go back? Or do we have the strength, the courage, the ability to be able to walk away? One of these two girls who went to this receptionist position was with her father. So she was protected. But then I read that some of these mothers, parents and caregivers actually want to go with their daughter to job interviews. I don't think that's appropriate. But, but hear me carefully. Driving your son or daughter to an interview is totally okay. But going into the interview room, I think that's inappropriate. If I was hiring somebody, I want to get to know them without having anybody there that could coax them or cough and that cough is a signal or whatever. It sounds far-fetched, but think about it. When the police talk to witness or suspects, their preference is to do that alone. Unless the person is a minor, legally they cannot. But let's be realistic. The police rather talk to a person without a lawyer because they can get the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. When the lawyer is there, the lawyer will speak and advocate on that person's behalf. Think about if you go for a job interview and you say something that's not appropriate. Your mother or father would kick you under the table or, or cough something if you see my point. And so therefore, 
It's about understanding what is appropriate and what is not. Bringing a child to an interview, definitely. In a place like Trinidad, where we have all these girls and boys going missing left, right and center, absolutely. Don't have your child go in a taxi by themselves, 100% no. Instead, do what you can do to safeguard them, which is to drive them yourself or have a friend, a trusted friend, take them. Or you accompany that trusted friend in the vehicle or accompany your child in a taxi, whatever. There are ways and means. If, for example, it was an interview, like with this girl who was about to go to the house and the taxi driver told her not to, the parent or caregiver drives to the premises and for whatever reason, they get a funny feeling, the gut instincts, the Holy Spirit, and they decide that this doesn't look right. If the child says, but mom, I still want to try, you know, let's just not assume anything, right? What does the mother or the father do? My personal opinion, go up to the door, press the doorbell with your child beside you and Mr. Smith or Mrs. Smith, whoever it is, opens the door and you, you say, hi, this is Mr. Smith. My daughter is here for the interview. I'll be waiting in the car. When you've done that, if Mr. or Mrs. Smith or whoever they are had the intention to exploit traffic or worse to your child, they're going to think twice because they know the child is not there alone. I was reading something recently about somebody who was being followed by a guy she had just met on the street and he had asked her questions about who do you live with? Do you live alone? Fortunately, she was not living alone. She was living with a guy from the Navy or the Army. So she was able to tell the truth about it. But the fact of the matter is there are people who will ask you, oh, who do you live with? Or did you come alone? Or do you know the area? When they ask that, that may be with no malice, or it could be that they have some ulterior motive intention. Going into the premises now, not really appropriate. But if it was an office building, it'd be completely logical for the parent to drop off the child, to come upstairs and wait in the reception. Nothing wrong with that. You've got to use wisdom. You want to protect and safeguard your kids. You don't want to just leave them out there, make them vulnerable to being exploited. And like I said, sometimes because we are so desperate for an opportunity to become financially stable, we want to move out of our house. We want to be able to better ourselves, feed our kids, whatever it is, we may compromise. And that is how we have something called survival sex, which is where we have women, men, transgender, the homeless, who will sell sex for the purposes of being able to put food on their table. There was even a guy who was recently arrested, I can't remember the country, but he was actually offering a place in his home, a bedroom for example, he was offering space for a person to live. He was renting out his property, but it was rental sex. In other words, you can come and stay in my house, I have a spare room, you won't have to pay, just have sex with me. And he was arrested for that. And unfortunately, with the current situation we're in, with the lockdown around the world and people losing jobs, livelihood, losing family members, breadwinner, for example, a lot of individuals are becoming very desperate. We know about people making photographs, OnlyFans, TikTok. And even when you think about these apps and these websites, you've got to consider when you're putting this stuff out there, you're making yourself vulnerable, number one. Number two, have you ever considered when you make these stupid videos on TikTok and Snapchat, take these photos, Instagram, that your future employer may actually stumble upon that in their research of you. Because now we have technology. It is not hard for your employer to find out about you in your personal life. Do they really want to have you representing their company or organization? But unfortunately, especially with the younger generation, they are so fixated on fame, on becoming an influencer, on likes and hits, that they're willing to compromise to the point that they do not even consider the repercussions of what they're doing for the future. When you're young, innocent, naive, you do not think about work. And now you don't even have to work. Take some stupid photographs and become an influencer. Make some ridiculous videos, become an influencer. All you have to do 
is put adverts in your videos. It's that simple. It's unfortunate that things have happened the way they have in relation to the technology being misused in the way it is. And with a lockdown, we have nothing better to do with our time. And so as a result of that, we're doing things without considering the consequences. The Bible says you reap what you sow in all things. There is a consequence. And I encourage us all to consider everything you do. What is the consequence of that? How is it going to benefit you? How may harm or harbor you? Consider that. Whether you do the right thing or not, there is a consequence. In, in times we may lie or white lie because we're trying to protect or save somebody. Is that conducive? Like someone said to me, for all we know, they could have declined to offer an interview because they have someone else already available for the position. In fact, somebody who works in the company already. Or it could be prejudice, etc. There are times we will not have all the answers and we have to accept that. There are times when doors will close in our face and, and people love to say, well, when one door closes, another door opens. I haven't read that in my Bible. But what I can say is that when a door is closed, the God I know doesn't need to open the back door. He will open a window. A window is a new opportunity. Doors opening, doors closing. I'm not into all of that. I'm into windows of opportunity. Why? Because the window is something that you cannot see. The door is there. The door is a fixation. It's bigger, right? The window, that is something you can't see because you're fixated on the door, but the window is there. The window could be on the side of the house. In other words, you're facing the left and the Lord wants you to go right. The doors opening and doors closing. How do we know who's closing the door? But when it's a window, that is a whole different dynamic. Is it the enemy who's closing the door or is it the Lord closing the door? We don't have answers to that. But when we seek God first and seek him above everything, the Lord will direct us to the windows of opportunity. There are opportunities all around and some are very small. And those small doors, small windows, I should say, small windows can flourish into something much bigger than just a door. There are many of us who sometimes go through the side entrance. Why? That's the God we serve. He's a God who works mysteriously, miraculously. His ways and thoughts are not our own. The world talks about doors shutting and doors opening. The God I serve, he doesn't need to follow the trend. The God I serve can do anything he likes. He can recreate a door. He can open a window. He can open a basement. He can open the rooftops. We know about the guy in the Bible. The rooftops was opened, lowered through. The Lord will open a rooftop to get you where he needs you to be. But consider... Where is my focus? My faith may be as small as a mustard seed, but the God I serve will come through for me. He will provide, he will supply, and he will meet every one of your needs according to his timing and his purpose. So keep your eyes fixed on him, not on the door, not on the window. Just continue to trust him, use wisdom and discernment, and seek him with your whole heart. Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret? I trust that the information has been useful to you. I believe that we all need knowledge and education, and when we have a better understanding of topics such as abuse, it enables us to better safeguard the children in our world. For a better understanding of the topics being covered each week, then please reach out to me for a copy of my new book, Can You Keep a Secret? You can follow me, message or email me, so that I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another, and this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life, but also that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website, changingcases.org. That's changingcases.org. Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. There are victims and survivors in your world. You just don't know it. But if we can all be educated, then the world will be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode. <laughs>